Welcome. You are listening to the Mindful Minute, meditations created for everyday joy. I'm Meryl Arnett, mama, meditator, and head of mindfulness for Shoreline Meditation App. This podcast is recorded from my live Monday night meditation class, where we have a brief discussion followed by a 20-minute guided meditation. If these meditations support you and your practice, please consider donating to the show to support its continued growth, new offerings, and its ever-expanding team. You can find the link in today's show notes or simply visit merylarnett.com and click on podcast. All right, y'all, let's practice. Well, hey, you guys, welcome to the Mindful Minute. Thanks for tuning in today. So I want to start just by addressing the fact that I interrupted the middle of a series that we have just started. So a couple weeks ago, I released Lying on the Forest Floor, Part 1. And then since then, I have been releasing a series of interviews, which perhaps feels a bit off, and I'm going to blame it completely on Mercury Retrograde because I had... (laughs) everything planned out on a calendar and organized, and then I just sort of didn't look at that calendar. So forgive the bit of weirdness. We will resume the Lying on the Forest Floor meditation series in November in its entirety. And in the meantime, I am going to share with you a couple more interviews that I am so excited about. I bet most of you know from listening, I am a bit of a voracious reader. I love books, and I am typically reading two or three at any given time. I have a list of like 50 plus that I'm looking forward to purchasing, reading, and writing in the margins because that's what I do with all my books. And the other thing that I love and talk about endlessly, aside from meditating, of course, is journaling. I journal every single day immediately after my meditation practice. I have for years. I love the practice of journaling. I find tremendous insight in that practice. And if you are curious about journaling or are already a journal lover, then you are going to really enjoy my conversation today. I am talking with Mark Champagne. He is the um, host of the podcast Behind the Human. I had the privilege of being a guest on that podcast several weeks ago. Mark and I hit it off immediately over our love of beautifully designed notebooks, the practice of journaling, of meditating, of being outside. Mark actually co-founded a journaling app. It was one of the first journaling apps out there, which reached over 86 million people. So we had fun talking about our apps. We had fun talking about journaling. And we're talking about Mark's very first book, which is just out. It's called Personal Socrates. It explores the pointed questions that stimulate our mental fitness and teach us how to direct that internal narrative to work for us instead of against us. Mark has got a really interesting story. He shares a lot of it with us today. We get some sneak peek insight into this new book, and we talk about how it might support our meditation practice. I hope you enjoy it. So Mark Champagne, welcome to the Mindful Minute. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. Thank you, Meryl. It's really a great honor to be here with you. I am really looking forward to this conversation. I have spent the last few days reading your new book, Personal Socrates, and loving it. And so this first question, yeah, this first question is, you know, out of my own love of journaling. Like I I love to journal. I have I'm a lifelong journal journaler. And I talk about it a lot on the show as part of a meditation practice. So as we get started, I'm just really curious to know a little bit about who you are and how did journaling become a part of your life? Well, first of all, thank you for the kind words about the book because it's it's been a two-year journey of creating it, probably a decade long of, of the, obviously the content that, that's fueling it, but it still feels 
very surreal that it's out in in the world. Actually, I just ran down before we started recording. So I'm supposed to get the very first copies. You you obviously have the digital one, the very first physical copies today uh, as a sample. So I'm it's like Christmas morning over here. Uh, but it all started, I'd say, 10 or 12 years ago. I remember I, I, I came out, uh, I was starting one of my one of my earlier jobs. And, you know, this was in the healthcare space. I was in sales and essentially was hired with a group of people that we were all going through the same bout of training, essentially. Like uh, there was science, sales and marketing and all this stuff. And I remember thinking, like, we're all going through the same thing. So how can possibly stand out from this crowd. And at least, I don't know what it was, but the solution for me at that time was to get up a little bit earlier. And I started reading at that time blogs around mindset and uh, just positive material, or even looking at, uh, I was very much into photography at that time in my life as well, just looking at uh, a lot of images you resonate with this of nature and whatnot. And just, you know, just being present with those photos and being present with the words in the blogs that I was reading. And what started to come up over and over again, especially in those blogs, and then later in podcasts and books and whatnot, was just this this concept of reflection. And at that time, not many people were speaking about journaling because even when, you know, fast forwarding a bit, when we launched a journaling app, even five years ago, let's say, using the word journaling, usually what I would get or kind of blank stares, or someone was actually doing it and got it. But most of the time it was, oh, you're talking about the girl writing her diary about the boy at school, right? Which, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but not necessarily. I'm talking about taking a pause and reflecting on some powerful questions. And that's how it all started, because I would be reading these blog posts and, the, and these people were, were talking about whatever, what it didn't matter what the topic was, but there was really good knowledge there. And I started thinking about that knowledge in the terms of questions and like, well, okay, well, where, how does this relate to where my life's at and flipping the knowledge into prompts that I would then journal on in the morning. And I just, after literally, I, I'd say 10 years of seeing the, the results of that, whether that was shifting, you know, like a performance mindset from my work or handling, you know, personal events that things are just not going my way or, or whatever processing emotion like that practice has just been my, my backbone just for, for my life essentially. And I think for me, it's turned into, it's not opening up a journal and grabbing a pen or grabbing an app to journal. It's part of the DNA of the day that if something happens to just take even 30 seconds or a minute, and it doesn't, whether it's an app, whether it's a notebook, whether it's an audio note, or just thinking to taking that pause and reflecting on that situation. Like that's the gift that, that I've gotten from the practice. And so a totally unimportant, but crucial question. I'm just so curious. What do you personally journal in? Do you journal in a notebook or an app? So this is, this is tough because <laughs> coming from the guy that created a journaling app that now works for a stationary company that creates notebooks and journals. No pressure. No pressure at all. <laughs> uh, and the honest answer though, and it's taken time. I would say this happened probably in the last two to three years of disconnecting from the medium to go back to the practice. And being okay oh. with, yeah, being because, you know, I use, um, besides, you know, when I was using my own app, uh, the app I use probably most consistently over those 10 years is an app called Day One. And they, yeah, I kind of consider them the, the grandfather of digital journaling. They've been around for at least a decade now. And I have thousands of entries. And it's nice to see, like, if I were to pull that up today, it'll show me, you know, three or four entries uh, that you can review from the you know years before. And that's fun to see that. But then it's also, there's something to, to be said about, and there's science behind this as well, that, you know, pen to paper and what you get out of that experience uh, is beneficial, but I wouldn't say it's, it's, it's beneficial above not doing the practice in the first place. So I started off journaling in a probably, I think it would have been a Microsoft word at that point and just saving those files uh, then the apps started to come and stuff like that. So to answer your question in the most direct way, 
I use the method that feels most aligned in the moment in terms of what I need. One, you know, in an evening, sometimes I just want, I don't want to be looking at a screen. So I'll grab and, and I do use, I have become a bit of a barren fig uh, notebook snob with the paper quality and pens. So I'm not going to lie about that. So I use those notebooks. Um, and then other times I'll, you know, I'll use day one or I'll take a walk and I'll record an audio note or I'll just, you know, I won't do any of that and just reflect and try to clear my mind. So I think whatever, you know, whatever feels right, but just taking the moment to, to do that reflection. Yeah. And do so do you have a meditation practice as well? Well, I mean, I do. I, I try many. I would say the one I'm using the most right now, and this is this is not any type of shameless plug, but it is, is Shoreline. Uh, since since we've linked up, I you know I did it this morning. I probably, and this is the same thing. So for me, I probably meditate. It's hard because I feel like meditation has such a an expansive def, definition. So there's probably a, you know my own version of meditation that happens daily, but I wake up every morning or every morning during the week at 5.34 a.m. I don't know. I read that somewhere. Don't ask why 5.34, but at some point I must have read about using an off number. So I get up at that time and the first thing I do is grab a big glass of water and then I either meditate for 10 minutes uh, and this is where it comes back to feeling whatever I feel like I need, either meditate, do some breath work, or sit in silence. But usually my day, the first 10 to 15 minutes start off with some sort of calm or like grounding practice. And then I get into, usually at that point, we'll go and do 20 or 30 minutes of uh, some sort of physical exercise. Then I'll do a bit of journaling to, and then jump into the day. But a, a staple is usually about an hour every morning of mental fitness is kind of how I, I term it up is non-negotiable. What falls within that hour is changes and, 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 and evolves as, you know, kind of what I need, at least for myself in that present moment. But the, that hour is, is sacred. You and I share that. I get up at five every morning. Okay. You got to <laughs> try 459. I, I will try four. That's, you know, anything in the, four in the fours, just sounds right. like a tortured situation yeah. five i'm like okay i'm up it's morning but for something it feels like something's wrong you're right you're right <laughs> maybe i'll try 501 how about yeah, that totally. but i come downstairs i sit on the meditation cushion sometimes i do movement before like some yoga before sometimes i just sit and then i go right into my journaling practice okay and i you know most recently the way i look at it as, is it's a way to remember the wisdom Right. So we do these reflective practices or stillness practices, and often we gain insight. Something makes us go, oh. And then it's so easy to get up and fall into your day and forget the gift that you got. And so, you know, I think it's really interesting to, to explore journaling as it's, I, link it with my meditation practice. I really don't even think about it as something separate. So I enjoy this conversation and thinking about journaling and as its own standalone practice throughout the day being this little mini opportunity to remember the wisdom. Yeah. Well, and because I think, you know, if we, if we don't actively, I, I like how you, how you phrase it about remembering or, you know, taking in whatever trigger you need to, again, remember that, you know, this the thing or whatever is causing stress if, if that's what it is or just something to trigger you to be grateful and, and be in that present moment like the, these things happen over and over again but if we leave ourselves on that autopilot that society drives us to then it just becomes pure productivity and go 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 and checking off boxes and whatnot and you know i'm not I'm not trying to be cynical of society, but that's just the reality. I think right now it's, it's, you know, it's still a bit strange to even for people to take, if you're stuck strategically or creatively, let's say to just stop doing that work and take a walk for 30 minutes, not listening to anything and, and being okay with that, like downtime, right. To unlock your mind. So we're, we're, we're getting there, but we're definitely not there yet. And, you know, just going back to that morning practice, like one of the other things that came to mind while you were speaking was just while my coffee is brewing, 
I, I pull out, I have Ryan Holiday's Daily Stoic leaning against the coffee machine. And that, you know, is a one page passage in some sort of Stoic philosophy that for the most part is kind of the same thing over and over again in just different narratives. But to your point, it's just the subtle little reminder, like the one minute that the coffee is brewing to reshift any perspective that I may need to start the day. And we're talking minutes, right? That now though, at least I feel I can start the day on my own terms with a clear mind. And I feel like I've already won in in many different ways. Like things will happen, of course, life will happen. But again, if we can then wait a second, go back to either what happened in your morning mental fitness or whatever you have around you, if there's some uh, uh, visual cues just to stop, right? And like reset. Because if not, it just keeps going over and over again. And so you're giving us your own little version of this gift with your book, Personal Socrates. So tell us how this book plays into this practice. Oh, well, so I mentioned Ryan Holiday and Ryan is in the book. Uh, so that's a bit surreal in, in, in itself because I've read all of his books and, and he continues like the, my, my, my version of, of the Daily Stoic is so suntanned or sun destroyed, like the pages, the top of the book is yellow and, you know, there's no longer a cover on it type thing or the slip cover. Um, so I share that because I really wanted to create something that was digestible in, you know, in short microburst moments and, and help people give that, that micro pause essentially whenever they need it. And if it's, if, if the book can serve as someone's actual mental fitness practice, just by reading, just like how I was reading blogs and consuming content and then shifting it into questions, which is the book is loaded full of questions, then, you know, that would make me smile. And then if for someone that already has a practice, if it helps them step back and upgrade the questions they might be reflecting on, then, you know, that also will will make me smile. And I'm sure there's other use cases, but those are the two things, the the two biggest ones I'm thinking about. And it's a book. It's a book that's designed to meet you where you're at in your life right now. And because I I really think, and, and, and it's questions, because I really, I truly believe we are all one question away from a completely different life or path. And I, I saw that happen to myself and I saw that happen throughout my corporate career as well. I mean, one question can completely flip you either into a anxiety looping state or, can, you know, you can pull into a gratitude question of, you know, who, who or what made me smile today? And immediately you, you cut that, that loop and you're in, in a more positive state. And I've seen it, I've interviewed someone where literally these tools and these questions saved his life. There's so much potential with just one question that I felt, you know, there's kind of to what you're saying about, you know, some of your work on Shoreline, like there has to be a different way or modern way to present this material. I'm not inventing questions. I'm not inventing any of the practices that are the mental fitness practice. They've been around for thousands of years, but what I can do is at least provide the narrative through some of the people that are profiled in the book and that the prompts are inspired by to meet you where you're at right now. And ideally, that one question then leads to the next, which, you know, hence the title Personal Socrates, and then to the next one after that. And then you just bounce around wherever you need it. And hopefully like that will set you off on, on your path and open you, know, you up just like it opened me up to so many different practices. You know, I think the thing that really stood out to me is I I have a book that's 365 days of Rilke, right? And just and I, his writing is so inspirational to me. And I have countless books of powerful quotes, and and there is power in that to be sure. And there's a shift I noticed when I was reading a question versus like a great quote. Because it made it so much more personal to my own experience. And I, I wonder if you talk a little bit about the power of a good question. I think you I think you just nailed it. I think a good question lands with the person on the other side based on what they're currently experiencing in their life and essentially causes the pause. 
because the pause is where where the magic lives. And if and this is why I refer to a lot of this stuff as mental fitness, because if we're doing this on a on a consistent basis in the morning or evening or whenever you want to do it, but you, you know, it's part of your routine, we're training our minds to seek questions and essentially seek that pause. So then when it comes up when in your work or or if you're having a conversation with your partner or your kids or your friends and family, then and things may, I don't know, maybe they get heated or something comes up, you've you've conditioned your mind to be curious and pause and think and ask the questions. So it, it you know, the results uh, show up all over the place. It's just like an athlete training for the Olympics. I mean, you're not trying new things on the 50 meter dash. Like you're, you're relying on your training over and over again. So it's the same thing with, with mental fitness. And I think questions uh, allow us the opportunity to, to continue down that path. And they, you know, when you ask a good question versus something that is like even a gratitude question, I, I find a lot of people, myself included, have a hard time keeping up a, a gratitude practice that is just, what am I grateful for? Which, you know, can can help right now. It's a good question, but you answer that question, you know, five days a week, you know, every week and, and you keep going. This, the same thing typically shows up. I'm grateful for my health. I'm grateful for my family and my, you know, the house and, and whatnot. But if you start taking that question and flip it or change a perspective or just slightly adjust it, like what made me smile today? Or, you know, what visually inspired me today? What did I hear today that, you know, made me smile and just start getting a little bit more detail oriented. I mean, now all of a sudden that, that question becomes so much more personal and and more impactful right for for the present moment that you're in so so yeah i mean that's why again like the book is is set up purposefully to have a mix of people that anyone would recognize like kobe bryant or maya angelou and for the record that i haven't interviewed those people i mean the people that uh, robin williams the ones that are, have since passed uh i did the research and the and Based on that research, those prompts are inspired by those people. And then everyone else I, I have interviewed through my, my podcast, Behind the Human, but they're all set up in the same way that, you know, Ryan Holiday, obviously he talks a lot about stoicism and focusing on what you can control. So his question is, what is within my control? And then there's two, or th- two to four pages of examples of, of how he's using this stuff and, and other practices of, of what you can do to, again, take the pause or as you say, you know, set that reminder or remind us to well, wait a second, you know, there's something I can do here. And then that usually each profile has anywhere from two to three prompts that kind of fall in that Socratic method. Again, just to, to avoid staying on the surface of what am I grateful for, but to drop down and get, you know, get to more of the core of, of the prompt or what you're seeking. You know, I am just personally, I'm in a a period right now of creation. I'm creating the next round of meditations for Shoreline. And so I'm writing and editing and recording. And I opened up the book and the very first question that caught my eye is, what is my art reflecting? Picasso. And so I jumped right to that page and it was such a a poignant reflection in the moment for me. Like it really did give me a sense of pause right here, ground in what indeed you're setting out to reflect, and then jump back into the work, right? And, and to me, that's one of the gifts you get from this book is the questions are all laid out for you and, and you kind of can cherry pick, right? Where am I right now? What do I need to be asking? Well, the way you just, you just described how you, you experienced the book is, is the way that uh, like I'm envisioning people to experience, or I would, I would love for, for people to experience this book. So that just warms my heart. And it, it, in speaking in all transparency, you know, going through the process of writing that Picasso, uh, Picasso profile, I mean, I was going through the exact same flow that you went through in the sense that, you know, the, 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 the opening questions usually stood out for me, but then I was following the actual recipe of the book of, slowing down to get clear and then be more intentional and then allow for expansion of possibility. So a lot of the 
practices in his profile, for example, and like reviewing his art in different color, like the different color eras that he was uh, going through and then stopping and reviewing your own life on, are you in the blue or the red? Like what color represents your life? I was doing that in the, at the time of writing the profile. So, you know, I'm experiencing it with you essentially as it's being written. So it's, I guess all of what I'm trying to say is it just felt really, really aligned and really nice to actually write these profiles when I would follow the recipe of the book essentially, or the flow of what I was trying to put out there. Cause when I didn't and tried to just skip to like that end part of just trying to, to help people unlock that possibility or get to the end of writing, it was just, it was a terrible experience. It never worked. It just felt forced. It felt, and I, I, you know, those are the ones that the editor said, you need to write, rewrite this. And I knew right away. Right. So, you know, there, there's something to be said that uh, it was a really great experience to kind of practice what you preach situation, but then also live each of those profiles myself as well. So talk us, talk us through the recipe. Talk us through getting clear, living intentionally, and then expanding. What tell us about this? Yeah. So that that came up probably that that flow of the parts of the book, which is which is really how I'm living. I shouldn't say how I'm experiencing life as 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 I know it right now. Uh, that came up halfway through writing the book. It started to become clear and clearer just because of again writing it that it's almost impossible to do your best work if you're not clear. And I think, you know, all of us can relate to that when, and, and, you know, being clear or, or the opposite of being fogged in our mind, there's so many different factors that can create that fog, right? It's relationships or all these internal narratives that all of us have to, to listen to and, and, and that we often fuel, right? We're, it's like, we're all New York times bestselling authors when it comes to, the internal stories in our, in our mind and how real they feel, uh, even though usually 99.9% of that story is fictitious, right? But it, it's, it doesn't feel like that. So, it, you know, it's really hard to then move to the, what I think is the end result or, or what we're seeking is just seeing possibility and living in that that state of abundance and, and I'm not just talking financially I'm talking about just all things abundance and being present and and all that to 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 get there we have to try to remove the clutter of our mind and meditation obviously is a beautiful tool to do that and there's there's there are so many different things if people find what works for them but at least getting to the point where you can recognize when that story is looping or you can recognize when Oh, wait, my shoulders feel a bit tight. You know, uh, typically when we're at that stage, it's been a long time that things have been building when all of a sudden your neck feels tight and you need a massage or something, right? So being able to mentally recognize when your stress is coming or something feels off, then allows, I feel it allows you to move to the next stage of, okay, I understand. I can see this. Well, now what I, what do I want for my life? And how do I want to show up for others? How do I want to show up for myself? And, you know, what do I want to do today? Where do I want to live? What's the work that that to me is, is going down the, the route of being more intentional with how we want to live and where we're heading and what the day-to-day looks like and goes right back to what we're talking about, about the morning routines. Like those are intentional practices and affirmations and reflection and meditation to continue to help us down that that path that we're that we're, we're desiring or the path that we, we seek and then once you know i think once those two those two steps are in check and it's constantly evolving obviously or you know it's never just you do that then you're you're off to the races type thing you're <laughs> to your point we have to Don't remind yourself <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> but once that happens i i feel like everyone can relate to most people have had that experience that when you're in this great frame of mind and something awesome happens in your life, whether it's personal or professional, other th- awesome things follow pretty quickly behind. And if we can continue that, which 
to me, when you can be clear and then and live intentionally, then all of a sudden, it's not that there's new things that all of a sudden just arise. They, I think they've been there from, from the beginning. It's that we can now see the opportunity and we, we're, we're operating from a state of, uh, of abundance and possibility and excitement and expansion of ourselves and our work and, and all of that, that now you're in this flow state that is just a beautiful place to be. And then things start happening. You know, it's how I'm essentially working with the team at Baron Fig uh, as, as, as a team member, not just as them publishing the book, like this all came through a step of questions and a step of, of activities that, that ultimately felt very much aligned. And they only felt aligned because I, I think because, you know, I was putting in the work to make sure that my mind was clear enough to say, oh yeah, that makes a hundred percent sense. So, so listeners will know from hearing the sponsor spots that Baron Fig has been a sponsor of the Mindful <laughs> Minute and I get to use their incredible notebooks and I'm a notebook lover on a deep level. I, <laughs> I, I work on a three notebook system and I perpetually have three notebooks in, in, a, in a rotation using them. And so that's how you and I synced up was through Baron Fig. And so in reading the introduction, that was just a little aside, but in reading the introduction of your book, I understood that you had a very personal experience with working through these steps yourself. Yes. Getting clear of living intentionally, of expanding possibility. So I wonder if you would just share a bit of your journey in living these questions, essentially. No, absolutely. So what happened, or I guess long story short, <clears throat> I started the journaling practice, as, as I mentioned, in mental fitness for, you know, for probably 10 or 12 years. Um, journaling was my consistent practice. And I was working as a product manager at the end and working in marketing and whatnot. And I actually really loved the job and the team was really great and, and fantastic. But there was always this underlying frustration with my journaling practice that was, I'd say at that time, pretty exclusively digital, digital at that time. So I was traveling a lot and, you know, I didn't like to have a whole bunch of different notebooks. So I had, I had a computer or an iPad and, and that worked for me at that, at that time, as you know, I have a mix now of, of both, but what was happening at that time, some of the meditation apps were just starting to come on to the market. Right. And that were, I think, attracting a little bit more mainstream attention. And I remember thinking, okay, this is interesting. So people are, are open to being guided digitally. Right. And this was about five years ago, but there was nothing on the journaling in the, in the journaling space. I mean, day one was out, like I, I mentioned, but it was pretty much like an app to journal in. There were no, there was, there was nothing out there that had the guiding, uh, a, principle to the journaling, which how I was doing it, right. I would hear, I would flip things into questions. I'd write these questions down and I think Apple notes or something when I, as I would hear them. And then the next morning I'd take those, I'd copy them, I'd paste them into whatever I was app or, or word processor I was journaling with. And that was my flow. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. There, like, there has to be a better way to do this so that it's, it's seamless. And I think the other big thing was that you could do it as you were consuming the knowledge, because often even myself, that was pretty dialed into the practice, you know, you consume something, you hear something, but if you don't do something right away with that knowledge and flip it into some sort of usable piece of, of, of information, then it's lost or forgotten, for example. So I had this, this intuitive or this drive inside to say, I really want to try this. I mean, I'm not an app developer. I have zero education to, to, to support developing an app. You and uh, me both. <laughs> yes. Yes. I just had this, essentially this idea of let's create a, a, a digital journal that guides people through the practice via really powerful questions. And let's do that in a way that we can link up with brand, it wasn't probably, it wasn't really brands at the beginning, but more so people that were talking that had different 
job experience? Because I think everyone, everyone can default say, okay, well, yeah, of course you have a, a yoga instructor or a meditation coach in the app. Like that's kind of a given. A lot of those practices go hand in hand, but what about the strategist at like VaynerMedia or what about the chief operations officer at Lego or something like that? So I was going, I was speaking with those people and that's how the podcast started. And the idea was to get their questions. And then those questions from the podcast would show up in the app and you would tap on the, that question and would fire up a new journal entry. So that was the link between knowledge and the practice of actually reflection. So that was the idea. I flipped an email to my brother-in-law and co-founder of the app, Sine. Uh, he had an IT-related company which is not a development company. We both, we both realized that, but it was the closest to any type of technology. And we tested things out. We, I was traveling to, to go to different conferences for the, for the other corporate job. And we had the, he met me at a couple of them and we we're just pitching the concept to anyone we could. And we were seeing reactions. So eventually knowing, you know, in my career where I was in brand management, I knew that in order for this to work, I mean, it had to be kind of 100% in on this and really develop a strong brand plan and get it out there. Uh, and that's when the decision was made to leave that world, which was a very, oh, it feels like a, an eternity ago, but a, like a secure, well-paid job with benefits and all of that. At the time, my wife was pregnant, uh, or no, we had just had our son. He was would have been under one so like in hindsight, have we known everything that it takes to create an app and all of this business? Like, I don't think I, there's, it would have been terrifying, even more terrifying to leave that job. So I'm glad I didn't know that because it's the only reason we're speaking today. It's the only reason I've, I've written a book and, and have this podcast that still goes and that I'm working with Baron Fig. So yeah, I left that job, started the app. We launched it put that, that marketing brand plan in full effect. I mean, we're bringing people on the platform well before the app was even out. So we're kind of almost like how you would pitch an investor for financial resources. You're kind of selling the dream or the story first. Uh, in this case, it was being developed, uh, which was taking a hell of a lot longer than, than oh, yes. anticipated, <laughs> as you know. Um, but long story short, it launched, it went out, and it started to get picked up by Apple all over the world, which ended up resulting in us being featured in the app store as uh, at that time, at least the new apps we loved or app of the day or all of these things. And it quick, quickly, the app racked up. I want to, I think it was within the first two years, 86.9 million app store impressions from all of these features. And it wasn't, I mean, Mara, I mean, we like, our benchmark was zero, obviously. Like we had no <laughs> idea what we we're getting into. And to start seeing the, these numbers come in, and, and you know, that doesn't mean that people were were then sticking or downloading the app and using it every day. But at the end, and we had about 200,000 people that were part of that community using it, which is, you know, I don't think insignificant, but it was it was unreal. I mean, we just kept putting in the work and kept following the plan and making sure that the message was, you know, what we wanted to get out there. And I think just working with like-minded people that really believed in, in the power of questions and approaching it from a different perspective of almost outside of the wellness space. And, you know, again, coming back to the relatability of, you know, I'd interview a developer. I mean, like talk, every, because everyone asks questions. It's just, are we asking, are we asking enough of them and the right ones? And are, are they, are they landing in front of us at the right time, essentially? Right. So, and this is what this app was designed to do. So, yeah, so it went out just to get, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely taking a curveball and answering your question here or, or a big loop around, but the reason I had to really live these questions and these practices is that despite reaching all of these people, we had to delete the app and shut down the business because financially we weren't there yet. The business model and the subscription model that we had at that time for the content uh, just wasn't working. We were covering our server costs essentially was, was about it. And, you know, we, I'm not, if anyone can see the, the video, uh, I'll give you the description, but I mean, I'm a 37 year old 
male with a full head of gray hair over here and, you know, have a, a five-year-old. And at that time he was two, I guess, two or three, like we had a lot of responsibility. My, and my brother-in-law too, he has two kids and whatnot. So we had to make a call. Well, how long can we actually keep going financially and mentally? Cause we, we had spent a lot of money to get to where we we're at. And we also had just finished our first round of, of proper user research and interviews and the responses were fantastic in the sense of knowing where to go next. But we also, at that point, were not naive in the sense of knowing how long or, or not knowing how long it would take and how many iterations it would take to actually get the, the product to, you know, where we knew it had to be. That was the big one. It's like, you know, we, we've shame on us once, you know, uh, but once you get to the third or fourth time, I mean, now, now that's, that's on us. So it was so hard because I remember being, I was in Toronto at that time. I was in a share space. We had about five internal members of our team. We had some contractors as well, but everyone was scattered around the world, Dubai, US, Canada. I was sitting by myself in the share space and I had my laptop open and you will know this. I'm in the app store dashboard, looking at all the, the numbers and I see that 86.9 million. And my next step is to hit delete from app store. And it's like makes my eyes tear up, literally. It, I mean, it just totally does. It just, I immediately questions just started coming in. You know, what, what will, what would, what's, what's my family going to think? And because they, you know, whenever you have a new idea, especially if you pursue something like this, there's so much excitement behind it, right? And family, friends, you, you, and you know this, you can feel someone often on the other side, almost. They're not saying it. Sometimes they do, but they're, often they're not saying it. They said, "I have an idea too." You're so brave for doing it, and and here we like we took that step and we worked so hard, so hard, and we had all of these ambitions to to help people around the world, and now I've got to delete this. And so it wasn't just deleting the app; it was deleting the identity from the last three years, and the judgment and the questions of, again, what would others think? What would my ex-colleagues think? Again, who saw, you know, I was leaving in a, in a, in a situation where it wasn't the guy going to work unhappy every day. It was, no, I would re regret not trying this. But while doing this, I also realized that the space of mental fitness is where I belong and where I want to stay. So I don't want to go back to that world. So now that just cut off the backup plan. So now it's, now what do I do? And it was the first time in my life where I just, I felt like I had no plan forward and I didn't even know where to start because this had just happened. And we were in a, in a city that we had, we had moved from Montreal to Toronto to just have more opportunity and, and network and whatnot. And we're, so we we're living in a city that we didn't necessarily want to live in. We couldn't afford where we were living. And it just felt hopeless and terrifying, frankly. I remember waking up those mornings and that there was, there was probably a good month or two of just waking up feeling physically ill and with fear and anxiety. I'm like, well, what, like, what is next? I mean, we're, we've already gone through so, many sa so much of our savings just, to, just to, to live, right? And not knowing what was next. And it wasn't until... I don't know how it was really living the present moment as much as possible, getting outside. And just when those thoughts started, just take a walk and just trying to be very present that eventually flipped the trigger or, or brought the reminder up. Well, wait a second. I've interviewed hundreds of people for this, for this business and this platform. They're asking a very different set of questions and they're asking questions that are progressive that, that allow you to move forward. And then that's when, Ultimately, I asked, well, what do I want for my life? And then, you know, a question after that and a question after that. And, and hence, this is where the idea for the book came because it saved me. Uh, it saved a, a lot of other people. And it's brought me to where I'm at now, essentially. That is such a, uh, you know, I don't know a better word other than real, but like I, I feel your story and, and certainly you and I share some similarities in our stories. So that's probably one of the reasons. And I think so many of us hit those moments, whether they're huge moments like you've experienced 
or just a little, even the tiniest tug to just change careers, you know, to move to a different city or hell, put your couch on the other side of the room even, right? And we have these little tugs of war inside. You know, I just so appreciate you sharing with us. Thank you. And I wonder if you might guide us in how we could create this experience for ourselves. How do we work this ourselves? Yeah, I think, you know, first make a commitment to yourself to think about how many days this week and at what time during the day will you dedicate five or 10 minutes to your mental fitness for, you know, first just, you know, set up a a personal contract with yourself, let's say, to at least just try something like journaling or reflection. And, you know, once that's established, then at least you have, you have an objective or you're going to get, and and, and I, I say this because set it up so you, you know, your chances of success are high. You know, you and I are waking up early in the morning, but I didn't always wake up early in the morning. So if I wasn't waking up at 534, you know, and I was waking up at eight, maybe wake up at 750, right? And, and just start small. And then from there, I would just ask one question. The, the go-to question for me, uh, it changes, obviously, because I'm following the idea of what, what lands with me. But the one that's probably the most consistent is how do I feel? And you can answer that with one word. Actually try it with one word. And if it's, I don't know what it is. I mean, it's different for all of us. But if it's sad, if it's motivated, whatever it is, then you can go a little bit further. Well, why? Like what, what's fueling that? that one word answer. And then how do I want to feel today? Or how do I want to show up for myself and others today? And it's unbelievable. This is, this is what I, that's the question I ask when I'm, uh, when the coffee's brewing after I read Ryan Holiday's passages, okay, how do I want to feel today? One word. And it's, I'm always blown away that first of all, we're not going to answer. I want to feel sad or I want to feel irritated or fearful at least as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> uh, so you typically pick something that, that's positive or puts you in a, in a desired state. And it's, it's amazing how the day unfolds when you set that one word intention. And it takes seconds to do that. And when something happens throughout the day, because life happens to all of us, then you can gravitate back to that one word. And maybe you write it somewhere. It was the same way. That is the only way I got through writing the book. I was writing the book from essentially 6.30 to 9 a.m. for a year. And I had little Baron Fig cue cards before I was in Baron Fig employee. Uh, and I had one-liner statements, write as if I was writing to a friend or this is quality doesn't matter. Quantity matters right now. Just small little reminders to just, tune back in. And, and this is this, I'm not inventing this stuff. This is coming from someone like Apollo Ono, who's in the book, uh, the most decorated winter Olympian. His method is to put little sticky notes in his closet. So you can see it's like, this isn't earth shattering stuff, but this is stuff that works for Olympians. It can work for us as well. So I would say, you know, start and just dedicate 10 minutes or so check in with yourself first. That's where the clarity part comes because you can't change or upgrade or shift the path if you don't know what's happening. So check in with yourself to get some of that clarity and it's, and it's a no judgment space, right? Write whatever, and then set an intention for the day and how you want to feel. And then that's where the third part will just magically happen as you continue to do that because then you start seeing clear paths forward. Then you start seeing the the best decision forward or you start experiencing you start hearing the leaves shake in the in the wind because your mind isn't flying around with all these other things that is so beautiful and i feel like you and i are the perfect team yes <laughs> yes are you hiring do, do you, <laughs> <laughs> we've got the 10 minutes of getting clear that's meditate everybody 10 minutes amazing and then 5 minutes how do you feel? How do you want to feel? What's the intention for the day? I love that. I feel like that is such a beautiful way, not just to get present in the moment, but to hold on to that presence as you're moving. And it's, I mean, this is just my own personal experience, but one of the things I've noticed 
when I have that morning practice and I have that intentionality, I'm less likely to lose my day to the inane stuff that doesn't matter. Because we all experience the same inclination to go through every email first thing and respond to that. And, oh, let me just place that grocery order real quick before I forget. And I'm just going to run the vacuum and then I'm going to get to work. But now it's one o'clock and I'm in the lowest point of my energy. My creativity is gone. And my intention today was to write a really amazing meditation. Right? So we set that, that intention and then we remember don't answer your email in your prime energetic space. <laughs> don't do that. Save that for later. Well, it just allows us, it allows us to feel accomplished right out of the gate and that, you know, we did that. We, we started the day on our own terms, even if it's only 10 minutes, you've already won a certain part of the day that a lot of people don't do. Right. And like to the point where on my side, if, uh, you know, back when events were a little bit more normal, uh, given what's going on, it would, it, it would take a really significant late evening event to, to, for me to go through the mental process of, if I get back late, is that going to affect me waking up at 534? Because that, you know, it's okay if it happens once and I have to sleep in a little bit longer. Sleep is, is obviously very important, but that one hour in the morning dictates the next 24. So it's it really, really, for me, it takes a lot to shift that hour. And if, if it's not an hour because of whatever circumstance, it's at least five or 10 minutes. It's something because I, I think so many people can relate to, to your example of what you're saying. I mean, you, you hit one o'clock or two o'clock and you just feel like you're completely out of control with you're reacting to everything that's, that's happening, right? When you start outside of that rhythm. So, and it's, it's just the small things, the small things that keep adding up, the small mini practices, then all of a sudden add up to these moments where when you're in, you know, that big Olympic race or moment, or you're in that biggest race of all, which is our life uh, or a project of all our, our, our lives that we can then process that situation, right? Mark, you are a total joy to talk to. Thank you Thank for taking you. the time to chat today. Tell us, Personal Socrates, where should we get it? Where do we find you? Yes. So Personal Socrates, uh, it's available at Baron Fig's website and Amazon. So baronfig.com slash Personal Socrates, Amazon uh, Canada and US to start. But then obviously you can order it essentially anywhere on, on Amazon. And look for it too. We uh, Baron Fink's got a pretty good distribution network in uh, independent bookstores around the, uh, nice. especially around the U.S. So uh, take a look at uh, at it there. But you can find me at behindthehuman.com, which is uh, me and the podcast. And a lot of, like I said, a lot of the content is inspired by those guests. And I definitely have uh, links to where you can find everything related to the book. And Perfect. thank you. I'm I'm so happy you're enjoying it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Mindful Minute. If you're enjoying these episodes, please consider leaving me a review wherever you get your podcast. It really helps others to find this show. To learn more about my live classes, virtual meditation retreats, my meditation app Shoreline, or to make a donation to the show, please visit MerylArnett.com. Thanks again. I'll see you next week.